The Athletic. Hello, welcome to 1874, a podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club on The Athletic. I'm Dan Bardell, joined by The Athletic's Villa writer Greg Evans as Villa do the double over Arsenal and we're also going to look forward to the Brighton game on Saturday night. Right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for a very special price. Enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts for less than £1 a week. Just go to theathletic.com slash villapod to sign up and enjoy The Athletic throughout 2021. That's theathletic.com slash villapod. Greg, Villa have done the double over Arsenal for the first time since the first ever season in the Premier League. And many good signs this season, but that's definitely one as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think we almost forget how much of, a, of an achievement it is really still beating Arsenal. I mean, they've gone through a bit of a bad period, haven't they, this season and you know, probably last. And and uh, yeah, they're a, they're a side in transition. But, you know, I still, I don't know about you, but I still class them as an elite side in the division. You know, I still see them as one of those top six teams. And okay, they you know, probably won't finish there this season, but they certainly still feel like one of them, don't they? So, Villa seems to have this little, a little bit of a hold over them, and I've been really disappointed to be honest in Arsenal in, in the last three games that I've that I've watched Villa beat them. So yeah, it's, it's onwards and upwards for Villa. Yeah, I mean they haven't even scored past us in three games in a row now as well. That's that's two one nils at Villa Park and a three nil away at the Emirates. I get what you're saying about Arsenal being an elite side, but I actually think now there's an argument for Villa being a better proposition than Arsenal, that, that players might look at joining Villa ahead of Arsenal, especially if Villa can finish ahead of them this season and push for Europe, because there's every chance Villa will finish ahead of them this season. Yeah, I think maybe we're getting a little bit too carried away there at the moment. I think Villa still need to do something, you know, they, they haven't achieved anything yet. Um, you know, the first 21 games of this season have been very impressive, but I think they need to, to say that to say that Villa are a better proposition or a better club than Arsenal. I think they... You know, probably need to finish in the European places this season and then move on from there. I, I, I don't know. I mean, can, could you see could you see Villa at this stage of of their you know development or, or however you want to describe it? Could they go to Atletico Madrid and, and take one of their best players to forty five million pounds? Probably don't think they could. They got into the Europa if they got into the Europa League and Villa have got Villa have got the finance. I mean, let's face it, Arsenal can't even afford to get their mascot. <laughs> so, Villa, Villa, Villa are paying Hercules still, as, as far as I know, mate. So, do, do, do you know what I mean? I, I just think, obviously, Arsenal have got the London factor, and I think that's probably always going to be something that, that sways players. But I don't know. I just, I just think, I, like, would Grealish, for from. example, would would I, would Grealish wouldn't want to go to Arsenal? Look, I think, I think if if there's a toss up, if you've got a player coming from say Spain. For example, you know, if we look at Thomas Partey, for example, if Villa go in for him and want to pay forty-five million pound for him, I think he still moves to Arsenal. I know where you're coming from. I can I can certainly see that Villa are heading in the right direction and that Arsenal are probably going in the other way. But I, I just think the conversation right now is not one that we can have because I think Villa have got to go and do something. And I think I think Dean Smith will tell you that as well. I think you know probably yeah, the board and the owners might not feel that, that way, but I think. Dean, you know, would know that, that Villa aren't quite at that level yet and they need to go and do something. So, um, but look, you know, the signs are certainly positive. I think in a couple of years' time, we might we might be talking about Villa being a better proposition than Arsenal. I mean, 
if you look at it now, though, they've still got a bigger stadium. The Emirates is an upgrade on Villa Park, isn't it? In terms of you know what they can generate from that ground, I think they probably still get better commercial deals than Villa. Yeah. And then I suppose you've, you've you you know you've got the the toss up of if both clubs wanted to sign that one player, it'd be interesting to see where they go. And I suppose Arsenal still produce more players than Villa, don't they? So Villa are certainly going in the right direction. You know, I've written this all all season. It's the most exciting time that I've ever covered the club and that's over, in over a decade. You know, Dan, you've been a supporter for even longer and you've seen good times, you've seen bad times and I think you can agree that this is the most exciting period for, for 10 years at least, isn't it? So it feels like Villa yeah. are going in the right direction, definitely, but I think we've just got to stay grounded for now and not get too carried away. I get that, but let me throw something back at you. <laughs> Football's obviously one on, on the pitch. How many Arsenal players would you have in that Villa team? I don't think there's that many. And that sounds stupid, well, honestly. It's, it, look, there's not been, there's not, I, I'm current form, no, maybe not, I suppose. There was a little bit of talk i seen on Twitter, you know, people saying, oh, Villa should go in for, for Saka at, uh, in the summer. And and I, and, I, and I was looking through some of the replies and people were saying, it's retaliation, that is. People were saying, well, where's he going to play? Arsenal fans are trying to sign Grealish. Arsenal keep going on about signing Grealish. <laughs> I think it's a bit, a bit of retaliation. Towards that, but it was it was a valid point from you know if 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 they did go for Saka for example who I rate very highly I think he's going to go on to be a very good player does he get straight into that Villa team that right now probably not it's it's, it's funny the two that jump out at me that would get somewhere near the team you'd have Ubamiang wouldn't you you'd have Lacazette I wouldn't have him over Watkins I'd still have Parter. Um, Smith Rowe looks like a decent player but hasn't really proven anything yet I, I think I'd still have Bellerin over Cash I'd have Tierney over Target mm, I'm like not enjoying you this morning. It's early in the morning. You've got you've got a case of the grumpies. <laughs> but look, you know this is it's a hypothetical conversation. Let's move on to the series. You get stuff. what I'm, you get what I'm saying, don't you? I think Villa are uh, more of a team than Arsenal certainly at the moment, and you you wouldn't want to disrupt that. And it's been proven by the fact that, that they've won the, the two games against them so far this season and got off to an excellent start thanks to that man Ollie Watkins with, with some help from Traore picking Arsenal's pocket. But just how incredible is is Watkins? I think he's an Arsenal fan as, as a kid as well. I mean, it, that, he's got he's got yeah. something against them at the moment, hasn't he? Because I think that's three goals for him isn't it in two games yeah and, and look you know I've said that I'd take Aubameyang and Lacazette but I think Arsenal would would have Watkins over the both of them right now wouldn't they and I think I think they would you know I mean, I mean we'd be serious there aren't we you know they, they certainly would he's got I really like him you know I've said this all season he's got 12 goals now in 24 games he got 25 goals in 50 games last season so you know he's now a one in two striker and and for Villa to have that in the Premier League, that, that's incredible. I think every step that he takes, he just fits in seamlessly, you know, whether it's League uh, League Two, League One, the Championship, the Premier League. I suppose the next stage for him now is whether he's going to become a European footballer um, or get into the England squad. You know, that's certainly what he'll be looking for. I think we discussed it last week, didn't we? You know, if, if Gareth Southgate is watching him regular. He's going to be that type of player that would fit into the England team. Don't know how he gets in because there's so many, you know, other quality players ahead of him. But if he keeps scoring goals, if he keeps doing what he's doing for Villa, then he's certainly got a big chance. And yeah, you know, we really like him, don't we, Dan? You know, I think we like his work rate, his goals, and Villa are lucky to have him. Do you think there is a case for him to, to get in the England squad? Do you think he's got a chance of making that summer squad? Well, I mean, look, you know, I'm biased because I watch him every week and and I see all his best qualities, and you know. I've, I would probably have him in the England squad at the moment because I can see how he can set the tempo for the teams, how all his selfless running helps others. His goal record's brilliant already. I just look at the the, the, the rivals he's got to get ahead of, you know, 
Harry Kane. He's not going to get ahead of Harry Kane. I no. still have Kane in there every time. Dominic Calvert-Lewin's had a decent season. You know, whether how serious his injuries from last night, we, we don't know. But um, yeah, Marcus Rashford's there. And then you, you've got plenty of other attackers as well. So England are probably only going to go with one striker. So it's difficult for other strikers to get in ahead of Kane and, and the current ones that are there. Yeah, I think he's probably fighting it out with Calvert-Lewin, Tammy Abraham and probably Danny Ings for, for a striker's mm. spot. I think it might come a little bit too soon for him, if I'm being honest. But if he continues his record of one in two, then to be fair, he got every chance, hasn't he? And he's having a great season. He's a really likeable player. And you're lucky because you get to see him in, in person. I've still not actually watched a lot of the, these five players we bought in the summer because I haven't been at the ground, not been able to go to the ground. I still haven't actually seen them in person. And you always get a different flavour of a player when you when you can watch them at the ground, don't you? Yeah, it's it's really sad that is, yeah. And I often often forget, you know, that supporters haven't seen how dominant Emmy Martin is at collecting crosses and, you know, commanding his area and the selfless acts of running that Watkins does, you know, and, and the TV cameras don't pick up those things. You know, you, you can't see. You can't see that and and how much of how influential they are on their teammates and what their characters are like and it's, it's weird as well because like you see players on the telly and then when you go and see them up close and you realise they're a little bit broader than they are, a little bit taller, they look a little bit different. And it's really sad, isn't it, you know, that supporters just can't get to the games and they're probably going to miss a whole season. But look, you know, Villa are doing quite well, aren't they? So um, I'm sure that'll offset it a little bit. You know, if you can come back next year, maybe in Europe with even better players as well, possibly. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, I mean, you just mentioned Demi Martinez. There, nice little, nice little interview for you last week. Getting to speak to him. Unfortunately, it came right after he'd had a, had a bad night, his first bad night against West Ham. But he reacted to, to that excellently and kept another clean sheet against his old team Arsenal, including that absolute flying save from Granit Xhaka's free kick in, in the first half. What, what was it like interviewing him? What was he like as a person? Yeah, yeah, really good. Um, you know, I've obviously heard only good things from from those who've managed him at Arsenal um, and, and obviously everybody at Villa now. I think what Dean Smith said is that he expected him to be as good as a goalkeeper as he is. What he didn't expect from him was to have such an influence on the team um, and the dressing room. So that's what that's what Villa have been really impressed with the most. And yeah, I, re- I really enjoyed the interview and I think he did as well. You know, he went through like his best his best save of the season. Um, and wow, you know, I spent, the, I spent a couple of days looking through his footage, you know, in, in the lead up to the, to the interview. And it, and it took me quite a while to, to put his, his best bits together purely because there were so many of them. And I mean, there was one save that he discussed at length and it was the, the Fernandez one against Man United. I don't know, I don't know if you remember that one, Dan, where he sort of like yeah, tipped, it, tipped it over the bar. So basically what had happened is Villa were trying to break. They were trying to counter-attack with Grealish and Fernandez just nips in, takes the ball off him and shoots. But Martinez was actually off, the, off his line by about two yards. And he said because all the defence were just moving up, 
they were ready to counter-attack because, you know, Jack had the ball. Um, like the shot took everybody by surprise. So Martinez basically had to stand fixed to where he was and then literally just react to it. And he managed to tip it over the bar. It was a brilliant save. But it was really strange because when I watched Man United versus Everton, just a, I think it was a day after or two days after the interview, Fernandez had exactly the same shot, but scored against Olsen. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. It's, it's exactly the same shot. But Martinez has saved it. Olsen couldn't get anywhere near it. It just flew over his head. And I just thought, yeah, well, you know, Villa are so lucky to have that goalkeeper because he's brilliant, isn't he? And yeah, I thought what was most impressive with him was that he, without me even mentioning the errors against West Ham, he just brought them up and he said, look, I conceded three goals from angles that I never, ever concede from. And he, he wanted to spend extra hours in training. He asked some of the strikers to, you know, to fire shots at him from various angles. He wasn't beating on any of them. And I just thought, well, you know, the, the proof will be in the pudding tomorrow when you play Arsenal. Let, let's see how you get on there and how you react to, you know, what he described himself as errors. And then he made two brilliant saves, one from Shaka, one from Saka, I think, wasn't it? Was it and a Pepe, the, the deflected effort? Thought maybe that was even better because, you know, we had to react so quickly for it. But very good goalkeeper and an, and an even nicer man. Yeah, I mean, he did well to find some strikers at the training ground because we've, we've already got one. I can't imagine Villa wanted Ollie Watkins staying out and, <laughs> and doing shooting drills against him. So he did well to find some uh, some forward players. Now, one man, if he did watch back his, his tape from the weekend and went through his clips, Tyro Mings, I think he'd be very, very happy with his performance. For me, he, he was man of the match. I thought he was absolutely incredible at, at the back. Probably one of his best performances of the season. How did you see him live at the game? Yeah, um, yeah, I suppose you're right, actually. Looking back, maybe he was man of the match. I, I actually thought Matt Cash was. I, I was really impressed with him. I thought he did. Um, maybe because I watched him a little bit closer than, than some of the others, but I thought he broke up play in important areas and really directed the play in the way how, how Villa were wanting to play. But with Mings, I feel like we've been sticking up for him a fair bit, haven't we? And I, I, don't, yeah. know, I don't know why, really, because... You know, I always say that Villa are a much better side with him. If they, over the course of a season, they're going to struggle if they haven't got him. That, that's my opinion. I think you're you're the same, aren't you, Dan? You exactly believe so. a, a big part of it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose I was quite pleased for, for Mings, really, that he, that he had such a standout performance and, and other people were actually realising how important he was because, you know, I certainly do. I know, I, know, I know how important he is to that team. I see the way that he leads that team and brings everybody together. And, yeah, I just feel like the criticism has been a little bit harsh of him, to be honest. I mean, to be fair, you, you've mentioned Cash. I think there's an argument for Watkins being man of the match. I, I, I've plumped for Mings, so all of these things are, are good signs that you can't choose a man of the match between yeah. you and... Someone else who maybe was a bit of a surprise he started, Nakamba over Louise. I think Dean Smith, he's not got a problem because obviously it's great to have to have people pushing for, for starting places. But he came in and, and did very little wrong. And I think he picked up the most interceptions on the mm. pitch, found himself in the right place a, a few times. We surprised he, he came in for Louise. And was that more, more of a rotation thing? Yeah, it was purely rotation. Yeah, it was just, just to give Louise a rest. I think Smith's mindful that the players have put in you know, a fair effort over recent weeks and months. You know, the, the Christmas period's always hectic. And obviously there was the coronavirus issues that some of the players had. So, yeah, he was very mindful of, of giving players a rest. But I actually think Nakamba probably deserves to start against Brighton, doesn't he? I don't think he's yeah. done anything wrong. You know, I mean, I don't necessarily think Louise did anything wrong. But when a player comes in and takes a chance like that, I think it's only fair that they get another go. So I'd, I'd give him another go, Nakamba. I think that... You know, moves the ball quickly, made some really important tackles and interceptions. I think Villa almost missed that at times. I really like Louise. 
but I think that Nakamba just offers something slightly different. Um, you know, whether whether his presence is the best way forward against Brighton, who were very unlucky last night, weren't they, to, to um, losing literally the last kick of the game. You know, that, that I mean, okay, it wasn't a full team, but they'll be they'll be devastated by that. I'd have thought, and I suppose Villa probably wanted it to go to extra time, didn't they? They'd have uh, they'd have preferred the the, 30, the extra thirty minutes of Brighton, but they're not a bad side, are they? They've got some decent results in recent weeks, so um, yeah, it's going to be a difficult test and. They beat Villa at home, didn't they? So yeah, I mean, you could argue the way Brighton play football that actually is a game for Nakamba that they play a nice football on. If you can, if you can disrupt them, I think that's the best way to, to get a Brighton because they, they play like short, sharp passes that they keep the ball. They like a possession-based game, so there is an argument for Nakamba to start that game. So he came in for Louise against Arsenal. Do you think at some point we'll see him and Louise play together and, and McGinn rested because he's the one that never ever seems to get a rest, McGinn? Yeah, well, he hates it. You know, he he says he hates training. He hates having a rest day. Um, look, you know, I know Smith doesn't take those personal feelings into account. He he wants McGinn playing because he's influential. But I'm sure we'll see him rested at some point. I mean, I mean, but maybe not. To be honest, you know, the games aren't coming quite stick and fast anymore, are they? They're, they're mainly weekend games, so I think the players are getting enough downtime. Maybe we won't, but you know, there's also Sanson as well. You know, you've got to get him in at some point, get him, uh, you know, used to the Premier League again. I was a little bit surprised when the Canberra came in last week. To be honest, I thought if any change would made, it'd be maybe him for Barkley, but um, you know, that that might be a move that they consider in the weeks ahead. So yeah, it's quite exciting, really, isn't it? Because there's there's a lot of a lot of competition in those midfield and wide areas. Yeah, I mean, Jacob Ramsey came on the pitch again as well, didn't he? And he, he, I really like the look of him every time I say Jacob Ramsey. I think he's got a real future at Villa and he could be the, the next one through the production line because it's been so long since someone properly broke through. Basically, it was Jack Grealish, which was many years ago now. Just back to Nakamba. Villa's transfer business obviously got a lot of stick last season from from me included. I think you probably gave it a little bit of stick at times as well because we need the players to be ready. But you look back and really they, they never were be the, the way Villa did business. So it was a bit harsh looking back at it now. But we've talked about the improvement in Louise. In his, now he was in his, his second season. Trezeguet has, has been better this season when he's played. So those players all look good now. And Nakamba's another one really because we've not seen much of him this season. Mm. Actually, for the for the fee now, as someone who's a who's a squad player, he certainly looks like he's, he's a really good signing as well. It's funny, isn't it? Looking at a, a year on at where we were at and what we were saying about the players bought in, and now you look at them, it, it just shows having that season to bed in in the Premier League is really important. Yes, yeah, it's, it's massive, and it you know they, they needed that. They needed the season. Villa's aim last season was to was to survive. It didn't matter that they survived by a point on even the last few minutes of the final game of the season. That that was the brief, you know, stay up at, at all costs, and and they did that. And and I think those at the club knew that if they did stay up that season, then they would progress massively the next season because. Not only have the players that were signed in the first season then got you know a whole campaign under their belt in the Premier League, they were always get, there was always the plan to get better players in as well, and you know just like mix and match the ones that that were already there. So I think I just think winning helps, doesn't it? You know, if Villa were if Villa yeah. were losing games, we'd probably be looking at it and saying Nakamba, mm, squad player, probably not quite good enough. Is a you know he's coming and they're losing games, but. The Canvas come in, Villa have kept three clean sheets and they've won two out of the three games. So, you know, it just shows really that all of the players that are called upon are doing a job. I mean, remember back to when Hawes 
was was used for a couple of games. He came in and did well, didn't he, as well? So just a shame, really, that Ollie Watkins, I spoke. Well, not a shame, because if Ollie Watkins can go for the whole season playing every single minute, which he currently has, and continue to score one in two, then there's no real problem. But you'd just love, wouldn't you, for that one more striker just just to be there to call upon in times of need and bring him off the bench and maybe change a game. Unfortunately, it doesn't really feel like Villa have got that at the moment. I actually think if Watkins was, God forbid, to, to pick up an injury or a suspension or something, I actually think Traore would play through the middle. Mm. I think Villa would kind of be like a fluid strikerless system, a bit like Pepston at Man City quite a lot this season. I actually think that's what we do rather than bring Davis in. So there is options and I actually don't think there'd be much wrong with that because I really like Traore as a player and it'd be interesting to see all the midfield players pop popping up like, like the Man City players have done in recent weeks. So I don't think it's as big a problem as, as people make out at times, but I get what you're saying. It would be nice just to have that extra option of a, of a proper goal scorer to come on. So one of those players that could have been the proper goal scorer to, to come on if, if transfers had worked out differently would, would have been Malpa. He's at Brighton now and Brighton, they've picked up, to be fair, the last month or so in the league that they're, they're unbeaten, they've beat Liverpool, they've beat Tottenham, but they have got a few players out this weekend, Greg. I think Lamptey's out, Sonny March is out, Proper's out, Webster's 50-50. So they've got, they've got injury issues going into the game and you kind of feel a little bit like Villarreal than one as well, don't you? Yeah, I think so. And obviously they've got the, you know, the setback from, from last night as well, whether there are any bumps and bruises from that. So it'll be a game Villa will be going there hoping to win. And you know, if you look at the fixture list coming up now, no no game's easy, we know that, but it looks quite nice, doesn't it? It feels like Villa have been ticking along quite nicely and, and that they can pick up some more points. So hopefully starting at Brighton. I'm looking forward to going down there. No, that'd be good. That'd be good. Although we're going to Brighton, it's it not being particularly busy because no one can do anything. But getting Yeah, it's, a, it's a good away day, isn't it, Brighton? I've, bought, I've stayed yeah. over the last few times I've been there and um, you know there's always a lot of Villa fans in and around the city you know the towns are in it's like it's good isn't it you know down by the beach it just feels a little bit different than, than, than city centre life and last season as well we were so reliant on Jack Grealish and as it transpired it did take some Grealish magic to dig Villa out of a hole and pick up what turned out to be an important point at the end of the season it's just refreshing isn't it you'll be going there knowing that there's many players that can hurt Brian whereas like I say last season you're pretty much looking at looking at Grealish and hoping he does something because I don't think we even had a striker on the pitch. So the turnaround from last time we're there is huge, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a big difference. And look, you know, I think that 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 was one of the reasons Villa wanted to get Traore in, why they wanted to get Barkley in, because they knew that those players would occupy defenders in a different way to the players from last season, and then that would in turn give Jack Grealish a lot more space. So he likes playing against Brighton, doesn't he? I think he scored. Most, I think he scored more goals against Brighton than any team. I'd have to, I'd have to double yeah, check. Yeah, I remember that, him scoring in the championship against them. Pretty sure he has. So, yeah, he'll be well up for it. You know, I suppose it's time for him to get a goal as well, hasn't it? It's been a couple of games. <laughs> well, only, only, only a couple of games. It was Burnley, wasn't it? it was, it was the, the last time he scored. Wasn't that long ago? That feels five minutes ago now. That there's so many games, Greg. And we'll move on now to our our top three section. So you've tasked me this week with coming up with the top three hard men. I actually don't think Villa have been the toughest side since I've been going down to, down to Villa Park. I think probably back in the day, you'd probably look at people like Andy Gray and Alan McAnally as being genuine hard men, but I've never saw them play, so I, I can't speak about them. So I've had to go for players from 1993 onwards, which is how long I've been going down. And I've picked three for you, Greg. They're all centre-halves. I think you know oh, the first one. I can't believe we, we you missed the centre-forward that I recommended you. Devastated. Uh, we'll, come, we'll come on to it. So the first one is a, a no-brainer. I don't think there'll be any arguments from you. He, he gets in. Sean Teal. 100%. Nutcase. Absolute, absolute <laughs> nutcase. I actually went to, went to school with his kid. So I used to see him quite a lot around school. His kid was in my class. 
growing up. So I think I had tail on the back on the back of my shirt as a as a kid because my dad made me because we thought we might run into him and he'd he'd see it and be impressed. But he was a he was a, fr- a frightening man, Sean Taylor, wasn't he? A, he? He loved a fight, loved a scrap. He's a really nice guy as well, though. You know, no, he is. Yeah, he's very helpful with um, nostalgic stuff. You know, going through the 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 years of the past he's been very helpful in time so as well as he, he was a tough nut on the pitch but he's also a very good good nice guy off it as well yeah he was kind of Villa's answer to psycho Stuart Pearce at the time I would say just as I just loved a scrap and took absolutely no prisoners at all the second one again he's just a just a lunatic I've gone I've gone for Alpe I've, I've spoken to Tales about him a few times and he said he was an absolute lunatic as, as well so I, I picked him because he could he could start a fight with anyone I remember him starting to fight with David Beckham in, in one of the England games. He was just an absolute loose cannon. So I've gone for him. I just think you've got to be careful when, when someone's that, that psycho, I think. <laughs> He's a politician now, you know. I know. I can't imagine that. Their, their politician means must be more interesting than ours in this country. But they've got to be. There'll be no one to sleep at the benches on a, on, a, on Alpe's watch. So I've, I've gone for him. And the third one, I think he's got an undercurrent of, of toughness. I think he's quite physically built, but he's got that undercurrent where I think, again, he'd love a scrap. I don't think many people have beat him in a fight with the exception of maybe Sean Tail. I've gone for, gone for Melberg. I think that's a good show. He was just tough, wasn't he? He looked quite scary, didn't he? He's one of those players that I think was he's tough. If he, was, if he was in a school playground, he wouldn't go on about if he was. But everyone would know it. Do you, do you get what I mean? He's one of those kids at school who had the beard when he was like 12 as well, wouldn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I had the beard when I was 12, but unfortunately I wasn't really known as a hard man. I still man. haven't got one. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't known as a hard man around the schools of Sutton Caulfield in, in my youth. So yeah, they're the they're the three I've gone for. I can't believe you haven't put Dion Dublin in there. He broke no. his neck playing for Villa. I know. That doesn't, the headbutt. That, I, I, you know what? I never liked the headbutt. He lost, no, we lost the I game think because he of that liked it either. I think when he looks back at it, he probably wouldn't be pleased with that, let's be honest. But I, don't know, I think I reckon Dublin could have it. I don't think he'd take any of those through. I played in a five-a-side thing with him fairly recently as well, and he, he looked quite injury-prone. He, he kept pulling up his groin. He kept p- picking up a knock. So I think those three would I think those three would take him. I know Dion played centre-half at times as well, but you know what? The, the, the centre-half, they're, they're the toughest, aren't they, usually? I think I'd have Dion in there. I don't know who I'd swap, but I'd have him. So that does us for this week's edition of 1874 on The Athletic. Thanks ever so much for joining Greg and myself. We'll be back next week to talk about Villa's game at Brighton and how they got on. Fingers crossed for three points. Only one thing left to say, up the Villa. The Athletic.